The conversation continues right now, right now, right now with right now. Dominique DePrima on First Things First. 800-920-1580. If you've got something on your mind, call me now. And of course, we have an open call for candidates. So if you're running for office, this is your time to shine. Four minutes of funk, 800-920-1580. Right now, I'm going to star from Los Angeles. Good morning. Hi, Dominique. Hi. What's on your mind today? Hi, this, <laughs> this is Star. I called you before about these eviction cases. Yeah. So that, just to speak to what that 70-year-old woman might have been going through, she might have gotten steamrolled in her case. Can I give you an example of, like, a scenario that I've seen in court? Yep. Okay. So, for instance, take me for example. My property owner is taking me to court for less than $2,500. And it turns out she actually owes me money because she increased the rent so many times. But a lot of these owners, a lot of these property owners, they're trying to raise prices on rent. So they're turning down the ULA money. So the tenant has applied for the ULA and the property owner is like, no, because if they get that tenant out of the house, then they could start making like upwards to like twelve thousand more dollars a year. Okay. I didn't know they had the I didn't know that landlords could turn down the ULA money. That's money you mean money to pay back what they were owed during the COVID period? Is that what you're talking yep. about? And yep. they're turning it down. I didn't know they could do that. Yes. Yeah. yeah, let me give you a, a scenario of a girl whose property owner turned down the money. Okay. So this girl is in court. She is like late stage pregnancy, about seven, eight months pregnant. She came into court. She had receipts, plane tickets and everything saying the lawyers didn't serve me this eviction notice. So she had a default judgment that went against her. And the um, she was trying to get her case open back up because the lawyers were lying. The lawyers in my case have been lying. Like they put envelopes in the yard near the bushes so I couldn't find them. Like all kinds of stuff, right? So here's this girl in court. She's seven or eight months pregnant trying to get back in her case. Her property owner turned down the money, didn't want that ULA money, just wanted to kick her out. The judge is sitting there saying, well, how long? How long? So she's about to have a baby. The girl can't even have the baby yet. After she has the baby, the judge wants to know how long can you move. How ridiculous is that? So um, that seems counterintuitive because if, if I'm renting a place and I right. pay my rent, the landlord can't just say, oh, I'm not going to take your rent, so I'm kicking you out. They have to have just cause under, at least in L.A., um, and that means that they would have to help with relocation fees, even if, you know, even if they have a cause. So how can a landlord just say, no, I'm, you have the money to pay back what you're owe, but I'm oh, owing, but I'm just not going to take it. Because the, the property owner can take a chance on that eviction actually happening. Because here, watch this, watch this. They can take a chance on the eviction actually happening. And if the eviction goes all the way through, then that disqualifies the ULA money. I got a letter from LAHD telling my property owner, you need to rescind the three-day notice that you gave to this tenant because the tenant showed receipts that you actually paid. Like, I showed receipts that I actually paid. She didn't want to sign for the certified mail, so she wound up putting me in court. So 
the letter that I took from Los Angeles Housing Department, I took it to court. They told me I can't use that letter because I didn't get the subpoena out in time to the person who wrote the letter. So therefore, the letter is hearsay. As soon as my court was wow. over, this is how, yeah, this is how LAHD played me. LAHD played me because they said, um, well, since you're in eviction court, we are going to go ahead and give the judge um, adjudication on this case. And so we're closing your case. But in order to even get my case open, I had to give them my paperwork that said I was in eviction court. So it's so messed up. Mm. Wow. It sounds like. Oh, go ahead. That 70 year old lady could have gotten steamrolled like she could have gotten all messed up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no question about it. I I also know that a lot of people don't know about the help that is available as far as, you know, relocation fees, if they're moving you, you know, for certain causes, the landlords have to help you relocate. That's a substantial amount of money. I actually had a, a couple of friends who were, um, who had to move because the rent went up and they couldn't afford it anymore. And, and that is one of the scenarios where you can get the, where the landlord has to help you pay. If it's a 10% or more increase and you can't afford it, they have to give you relocation fees. Now, my friends didn't know that. I told them about it and they were able to get these dollars from the landlord and that helped them, you know, to get into another place. Um, but I think a lot of folks don't know. I think Stay Housed LA is is a good resource that people don't know about. But the things you're telling me about, Star, it it feels like there should be monitors in eviction right. court that are not, mm. they're not the, you know, the counsel for the landlord and they're not the counsel for the tenant should a tenant be lucky enough to have counsel. We know most of them do not. But just like roving monitors that check for stuff like that, because that's outrageous. The, the scenarios that you're describing, you know, if, if they bear out, I mean, you certainly sound credible and it sounds like the kind of crap that goes down. Um, is It's just, it's just shameful. And I, I do believe that, you know, maybe not so much the mom and pop landlords, maybe it's just the corporate landlords, but I think some mom and pops too are gouging because you don't, mm-hmm. you don't have to, you, you, just because you can charge that much doesn't mean you should. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so the thing with, um, as far as the monitors, I've been thinking that for so long. I was like, why isn't there a liaison here to help out just with the tenants? Because even if you go up to the clerk window, you go up to the clerk window, the clerks will be, the first thing they say is, you need to go get legal advice. Or they'll say, we have, a, we have self-help over there, Shriver. Shriver does not help with everything. Shriver is like a little department in the court that's, supposed to help tenants they only they pretty much only help with like the first response that you give to the lawsuit but just real quick for what you're talking about with your friends and the rent increase and them getting help that applies to if you have a single family home and your single family the property owner can rate jack the rent up as much as possible so they don't have to stick to the four percent they can get it they can raise it as much as possible to get you to move out and then when it's a single family home, they only owe you one month's rent 
to help you with with your relocation. So that too, that's like um, that's messed up too. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that. I'm talking about apartments, but um, okay, you know that could very well be true. I'm talking about people who have to move from apartments if if they raise it ten percent and you can't afford it. That's one of the things yeah. that qualifies for relocation assistance, which is. Um, which is, you know, a significant amount. I, I'm not familiar with the rules for single-family homes. But thank you, Star, for sharing, uh, sharing, you know, those important insights in, you know, your experiences, because that's kind of what I was thinking when I read that story. Just like, oh, my gosh, I hope this is not the wave of the future. I really do not want to see that. Um, yeah, I appreciate you. Appreciate your insights. Going to Big Phil calling us from L.A. Hi, Big Phil. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Creek didn't rise this morning. Devil busy. Uh, let me say two other things. I really feel for that lady because I'm a homeowner all tenants. I wouldn't treat my tenants like that. And by the way, you know, I'm having a problem with my voting situation. Maybe you can help me with these two sisters who I can vote for. Michelle Chambers and Laura Richardson. You know anything about the, you know, these two sisters? <laughs> I do. I do. And, and you know, there's that's uh, Senate uh, uh, Senate seat 35, state Senate seat 35. That's the seat okay. that Steve Bradford is currently in. And um, there's a okay. bunch of people running for it. Among them are those okay. two, right? Michelle Chambers okay. and Laura Richardson. Michelle Chambers right. has been endorsed by Steve Bradford, who's currently in the seat. Uh, she's from Compton. Um, she is a progressive. Laura Richardson um, would also probably describe herself as a progressive. She's a former, um, she's a former Congress um, person out of Long Beach, um, and she hasn't been on the show yet, other than the four minutes of fame that we're doing right now. But Chambers, um, Chambers interview is up on the website kbla1580.com. There's also uh, Michelle. Uh, Trishel, uh, no, Jennifer Trishel Williams, um, and a um, couple others, Jennifer Trishel, Michelle Williams, um, Nilo Vega Micheline, they're all on our website if you want to listen. Um, okay, well, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about it. We got news, traffic, and sports. Hold that. Um, we're in calling all candidates phase, calling all candidates. That means you. Um, if you are running for something, call me 809-20-1580. Also want to, um, give some love to Adderlene DeBarge. She's the matriarch of the DeBarge family, the mama of El DeBarge. Also a, an incredibly gifted, um, gospel singer. And she made her transition, uh, Friday at the age of 88. Um, and so rest in peace to her. She was a gospel singer. She was a mother of 10, including seven who were in the group DeBarge, um, and they're, they're, um, they're not saying her cause of death, but she apparently did have dementia. Um, yeah, so, so condolences to all of the, the children, um, especially El DeBarge, who's sort of a, an auxiliary part of our KBLA delegation, having been on my show and uh, Danny Moe's show and and uh, just really being supportive of this radio station. So rest in peace to Miss Ederlene DeBarge. Okay, Big Phil, you got something else you, I wanted to let you land. I know we, we were up against news, traffic, and sports, and we were talking about, and you know what, I actually didn't really give you the full overview. There's a bunch of candidates running for that 
uh, position. I gave okay. you the ones that I remembered right off the top of my head. Okay. Most of them are on our website. Um, most of them, um, uh, James R. Landis Spencer is a Republican our environmental consultant. I haven't talked to him. Jennifer Trishel uh, Marie Williams is there. Albert Robles, um, former mayor of Carson, I'm going to say no to that. <laughs> if you care what I think, okay. he hasn't been on. But Laura Richardson has yet to come on. Um, Alex Montiero, he's a Portuguese guy, an education guy who was a Hawthorne City Council member. Nilo Vega Michelin as a community college trustee. They've both been on. This guy Lamar Lyons is running. And then, as you mentioned, Michelle Chambers, who is... Um, you know, a, a she worked for um, Rob Bonta uh, in the Attorney General, and she was also Compton City Council in 2019. And she's also the sister of Michael K. Williams, the famous actor uh, from The Wire who passed in 2021. And then uh, our former um, Congresswoman, Laura Richardson. But, you know, if it was, you know... If it was me, I would be picking between Williams, Richardson, and Chambers because not just because they're black women, they seem to be the best candidates. Um, for me, you know, I haven't talked to everybody, but they don't all answer my call. For me, um, I'm leaning Chambers um, because she is a, you know, she is a progressive and she's been in, endorsed by the incumbent. Um, but, you know, you got to make up your own mind. That's why we have the folks on the website, KBLA 1580. You can hear for yourself. And hopefully we'll get Laura Richardson in here soon uh, to make her case because I'm sure she will have a lot to say. Hello? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two other things. I'm going to land. What's so happy about uh, the president? There's nothing happy about this day. Wanted to rape my ancestors, especially Tommy Jefferson. He had about 15 kids, okay? It's nothing happy about this day. It's really a sad day for my ancestors, okay? And I'm going to land with this. He's playing Smokey Robinson. Play, play my, one of my clients. Why don't you play some Bobby Womack sometime? How about that, huh? Well, <laughs> uh, when is Bobby Womack's birthday, Big Phil? Today is Smokey Robinson's birthday. I love Bobby uh, Womack. Yeah, I think he's coming up in March. Uh, okay, so no to Miles. I'm just playing with the mess with you. I know he's a legend. <laughs> he's a Hall of Famer, too, okay? I'm just I'm throwing it out there, okay? I'm sorry. I apologize about Smokey, but, you know, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm sorry. No apology needed. No, okay. No apologies. So and be careful now, because there's so much stuff going on in the world. These shootings out. Of, I mean, that were really busy. Yeah. Um, when you say was a legend, you're talking about Bobby Womack, of course. I love you. Take care. Yeah, because Smokey Robinson is a legend. He is still with them. March 4th. You're right. March 4th. Okay. March 4th. Smokey Robinson coming your way. Oh, look at that. We have one of our candidates calling in, heeding the call. We're uh, open call for candidates right now. Uh, Dan Chang is running for LAUSD School Board District 3. Um, hi, Mr. Chang. Hi, Dominique. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for calling. Your four minutes starts now. Let's go. Uh, happy birthday to Smokey Robinson. Um, and thanks for having me. I am a public school teacher. I'm a parent. And I have a 20-year track record of improving public schools in Los Angeles. I'm running because we really need to change the direction of LA Unified. 70% of kids in the school district are not at grade level in math. 
60% of kids are not at grade level in reading, and those statistics have not changed in the 20 years that I have been uh, serving schools in L.A. So from 2003, when I first started in, in public schools, to now, like, those numbers have not meaningfully changed. So we really need to change the direction of the school district. And I've got a track record of doing it in the classroom. I've got a track record of doing it at the school level. I was part of a team that led the turnaround of Locke High School in Watts in 2008. And I've done it at the district level. I helped open a philanthropy with the superintendent of LA Unified to raise money for the school system. So I've done it in the classroom, at the school, at the district level, and we need fresh new leadership uh, to really make sure that our kids are getting the education they deserve to reach their dreams and fulfill their potential. So that's why I'm running. Um, my district covers a huge swath of territory. So it, it starts in Studio City, picks up Sherman Oaks, then hops over the 405 freeway and picks up the entire Northwest Valley. Uh, that's the Northwest San Fernando Valley. So Chatsworth, Northridge, Canoga Park, Renata Hills, uh, Winnetka, Woodland Hills, West Hills, Reseda. It's, it's a really large district. And uh, anybody who thinks the school district needs a little bit of a push can do better, can serve students, teachers, and families better. That is my platform, and that's what I'm running on. You got a crowded race here. I see you've got a bunch of people, five, um, including the incumbent, uh, running to hold on to the seat. Um, and you say you want um, to cut down on bureaucracy. I think we all want that, but how do you do it? Oh, my goodness. Um, so one, I think I can get to about $120 million of cuts to the bureaucracy right from the get-go. Uh, and I'd love to take that money and start to redistribute it back to schools and find the schools that are most successful, the departments that are most successful, and start to give them the resources to scale. Uh, and when I, when I say scale, I mean like replicate and grow uh, and start to, from the ground up, grow successful schools, and that's going to help raise the academic performance of the district as a whole, and I want to do it outside the traditional local district bureaucracy of LA Unified, right? Like, give that money directly to schools, to teachers, to staff, so they can start to build and grow their programs. All right, you've got a little under a minute. Uh, tell us about your website and stuff. Oh, Absolutely. So www.changforchange.org, that's C-H-A-N-G, the number four, and then change.org. Um, we've got volunteer events multiple times a week. We're text banking on Tuesdays. We're phone banking on Saturdays. We're canvassing on Sundays leading up to the March 5th election day. We need all the help we can get. We need to get the word out. And, um, you know, there's just so many people who have come up against the bureaucracy in LA Unified as a parent, as a teacher, as a student, and they're frustrated. They want yeah. more, they want better, and we can do it. I All work right. with tons of just amazing teachers on the regular, and we just need a little bit of help. All right. Dan Chang, candidate for LAUSD School Board District 4. Thank you for calling in today. Appreciate you. District 3. Oh, District, District 3. 3. Oh, District 3. My fault. Okay. Changforchange.org. Thanks for calling. KBLA Talk 1580.
More of First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Your ancestors' favorite radio station. Radio station. And your favorite morning show host. Let's get back to Dominique DePrima right now. Right now. Right now. Um, again, we have an open call for candidates. Not too late to call today on this messy Monday, 809-201580. If you want to get in where you fit in, uh, we will give you four minutes of fame uh, right now. 809-201580. So the neo-Nazis march this weekend in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I heard one of the Justins talking about it on social. Sure enough, I looked it up. It was a small but loud group of, of neo-Nazis marching in downtown Nashville with actual swastikas. The whole nine yard, they had long sleeve shirts with black pants. They were carrying Nazi flags. They were like in some kind of pseudo uniform. Um, and of course, no one was arrested because they don't arrest folks at fascist <laughs> demonstrations, only only pro-democracy and anti-racism demonstrations, apparently. Uh, you have to like actually try to kill uh, police officers to get arrested if you're a fascist in this country. Um yeah, they were confronted and then they went away. Uh, this is something that, um, uh, you know, has happened in South LA. I've witnessed it with my own eyes. The ADL says that they are a physical fitness group that um, is all, also low-key uh, fascist. I actually have seen an article about that where they recruit people based on physical fitness and kind of a survivalist vibe and then they slowly segue them into the whole uh, extremist white nationalist vibe, philosophy, white supremacy philosophy. The World Health Organization says the Nasser Hospital in Gaza is no longer functional. Um, Israeli Defense Forces entered that complex on Thursday. They they call it a, a precise strike. Um, reporters on the ground call it a total... Um, devastation of that hospital. Um, Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, you know, categorically um, rejecting any international calls for ceasefire or a two-state solution. And we are hearing that the U.S. will one more time reject a U.N. resolution calling for a ceasefire. Supposedly, Biden wants to back-channel it and try to do something off the books. But it's such a horrible look for the U.S. I wish that um, Joe Biden could find it in his desire for re-election to not, um, not veto that uh, U.N. resolution. We're up to 35,000 dead. It's just horrific, the number of children um, and civilians that are dying. I just, I, we're at the point where, I mean... He's he's he by he I mean Netanyahu is saying that if Hamas doesn't surrender and give them all the hostages by Ramadan, that he's going to do a full scale invasion. That's March fourth. How are we letting this go on and on and on? This death instruction. We are the main financiers of this war. How are we letting it go on? We have to at some point. You have to say, if you don't cooperate, we're not going to keep giving you money. You know, it's like. You, how am I giving, how am I your sugar daddy and I have no say in your life? That doesn't make sense. Well, so the um, DJT setback uh, on Friday was a huge one. $355 million in fines 
for um, Donald Trump for his business fraud, for exaggerating the worth of his businesses to get loans and then shrinking the worth of his businesses to pay less taxes. Uh, Letitia James, uh, no word about who she's dating, no drama. Well, there's a little drama. The conservatives always have drama, um, but that is a win for, uh, that's a win for democracy. It's a win for Letitia James. And it is a win for people that care about ethics in business uh, and the small, small business owners, the little guy. Um, because while Trump is cheating um, and lying his way to billions, he's stiffing contractors, lawyers, all kinds of folks that he, because he doesn't pay his bills. Well, with interest and the money uh, going, the money that his children are due, um, it's close to $450 million. And that's not counting that $83 million for E. Jean Carroll. Oh, yeah, he's appealing. But that doesn't mean he's off the hook. More when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. Say the quiet part out loud. loud. KBLA Talk 1580. E- Heard any other talk radio lately that sounds anything like this? We didn't think so. You're listening to Unapologetically Progressive, KBLA Talk 1580. I love that this judge, uh, Arthur Ingeron, was he was lenient in terms of the fact that he didn't ban Trump for life from business. Why do I love that? Because um, he put all the hammer into the money, right? So $355 million, $450 with interest. Then there's um, a couple, $4 million for each of the sons. Uh, he has imposed a two-year ban on either one of Trump's sons running the company, which means probably they're going to have to find someone outside the family because Eric Trump is the CEO of that company, you know, an acting CEO. And that, here's the thing, he is appealing. That interest can continue to build during the uh, appeals. Um, And he may, now in the, E. Jean Carroll case, the first one, that five million, he put he's already got that five million in like an escrow account. That's not what it's called. It's some kind of account that holds the money. So that in case if he wins on appeal or they reduce the amount he's owed, then he'll get his money back. But this way, um her money is set aside. In case he loses on appeal, it is available. I'm not sure if they can force him to do that with his four hundred and fifty million or a percentage of it while his appeal um, goes forward, or if his lawyers will be able to um, <clears throat> will be able to stop the the interest clock from ticking, because the interest on three hundred fifty five million apparently uh, adds up pretty quickly if he's already at four fifty right now, um, and one of the things he said is that you know Trump is. His complete lack of contrition and remorse borders on pathological. That's why he's hitting him so hard. However, he's still um, letting him go back to business in New York after about four years. Now, we, you might think Trump is a billionaire. He has said he's worth up to $10 billion. Most experts believe it's closer to two or even less than that. Huh, we should all have that little money. Um, but liquid cash... And assets are two different things. So he may have to start selling some stuff off. Um, You notice he started selling those 
Trump Force Ones or whatever they're called, the insurrection shoes, uh, and they're they're really expensive. I it, my understanding is he raised, um, you know, something like half a million already just from the shoes. Um, but you know, he's doing what grifters do. He's finding ways to monetize everything. How tacky is that? Can you imagine if any black politician anywhere had golden shoes with their name on them to raise money while they're still running to be president, senator, um, city council person? It's unimaginably tacky. Um, and I think it's just the beginning because liquid cash, I mean, th- these um, these fines and, and judgments could take up all of his liquid assets. And there may be more coming. Remember, he's, you know, he's got a lot more court appearances, a lot more problems on the horizon. And yeah, it makes me smile. Yeah, I'm celebrating because this guy has gotten away with so much for so long. I mean, I really thought the whole Trump University thing was going to take him down at the beginning of his press. Well, during the campaign, because it was so corrupt, stealing people's money and saying he was going to teach them how to be rich. Meanwhile, not paying his contractors. But that didn't do it. Maybe getting all of his liquid cash will give him a measure of accountability for the crookedness. And hopefully it'll take the shine off his his reelection bid. That's Messy Monday. Time to talk relationships after news, traffic, and sports on KBLA Talk 1580.